Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. The only thing I can say about turning my to-do list over to God as by turning this how I turn my life over to God is I wish I'd done it sooner. So if you're younger listening to this, now's the time. Do you feel like you're stuck in a rut in life or in a dead-end job with no progression? I'm Jerry Dugan, and welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that offers you the motivation, inspiration, and practical tools to help you build a life worth living. My show is here to help you break free from your limitations and find a path to success. Join me as I share encouraging stories and actionable advice on how to get out of your rut in life and create a vision for your future. Life is just too short to live stuck in a rut. Here we go. Hey, Rudder Nation, this is Jerry here. And in this episode, we're going to be joined by Margaret Agard. Now, career-wise, she's retired and she's just writing. She's writing. She's getting the word out there. She's hoping to inspire people to let go of their to-do lists, let go of all the little things that are sucking up joy and time from your life so that you can really embrace the things that matter most. So we're going to talk about her story, working as an executive in the software technical industry, doing sales. Uh, we even talk a little bit about something called ransom insurance. First time ever on the show, we talked about that. And then how she surrendered her sense of control over the world around her. And as a result, gained a sense of control over her life. It's kind of cool. It's a, it's kind of, anyway, there, there's a, there's a biblical connection here. It's like you, you gain your life by giving it up in a sense. It's really cool. Um, and we'll even talk about her transition into becoming an author to write her first book, Giving to Your To-Do List to God. I'm just stumbling over my words right now, but this was a great conversation. Sit back, relax, grab a notebook and a pen. Here we go. All right. Hey, Margaret, thanks for calling in from Florida. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's actually cool here today. It doesn't happen often in Florida. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of like the same latitude on the globe here. And, and uh, my wife and I were talking the other day about, you know, we got winter during the week of Christmas and it went right back to springtime or fall. Like what happened to the weather? And it is hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if it's cooling down, that's good. We, we might right. actually experience right. that. Yeah. Um, you kind of sent me a pitch that was perfect uh, because you wanted to talk about how do you pursue your you know, career or business and build that and also build a life that is aligned with your purpose. And like, that's the essence of Beyond the Rut because uh, Beyond the Rut wants to help people through encouraging stories, practical advice so that uh, our listeners can pursue their dream, whether it's a career, a business, uh, without losing their faith, their family, or their health. And so you know, it's like, how do you go about doing that? And uh, so I'm glad you, you've been able to, to jump on here with us. And and, and uh, we, I mean, we had a couple of reschedules for different reasons, but we're here. We made it. Uh, so Margaret, you you had a career as an executive in the high tech industry. And um, so tell us a little bit about that. And yes. then we'll get into the why did you leave it you know, question later on. So what did you do for the high tech industry? I mean, were you making lasers? That's kind of really what I want to know. And no, you know, I was in software. <laughs> OK, no lasers. I was only a few women executives <laughs> in the high tech industry. But I thought, yeah, and um, I took construction and engineering firms. It was like CAD and accounting and critical path scheduling and just uh, estimating systems. And I um, 
I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest daughter. I have seven brothers and I just have never been cowed by men. I'm used to kind of being in charge. <laughs> so I guess that worked for me to, to be able to land in the high tech industry. And I started out in sales and, you know, just ended up in executive level where I was managing sales and dealer channels, things like that. Okay. Which. Now, I didn't even know they had such a thing as executive insurance until they bought it for me. <laughs> I thought, really? Oh. But when I was in it, I um So wait, is executive um, insurance I like had is executive insurance like in case you get abducted in a foreign country that pays your ransom or is it Or just case- be killed or a guy I'm gonna die of a heart attack or something. They oh, can wow. sort of make sure they have time to give someone in and there might be, you know, a little bit of a problem. So they get covered. They have some money coming in to cover what I don't. Even, I didn't even ask him how much it was for. I just did it. So I, yeah. Sorry, game on. What, We're back. It, <laughs> what was happening at the time? I was doing that for a while, but then I ended up ending my first marriage, um, and I was finishing my degree because when you first started in the high tech industry, it wasn't so much about degrees as just can you do it. And and I I am smart in that kind of thing. I'm smart in math and the sciences and and computers. I, maybe not so much emotional intelligence. <laughs> it's like my kids had data for a mom. We watched, yeah, Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. What was happening in the industry is everybody was going public and you want to be able to say about your executives, they have this experience and they have these degrees. So I just went back and finished. I had less than a year left. So I went back and finished my degree and, and, and I had these eight children who were older at the time. The youngest was 12 and the oldest was in his 20s, but they were staying home while they went through college. That was how I helped them. And so I, there I was, a single mom going to college and working as an executive in the high tech industry. And I was pretty stressed, let's just say that. Uh, Any one of those might have been a full-time job. And so, and I knew as an executive how to set priorities, know how to Stay in the student cubby quadrant of, you know, important, but, and not let things get critical. I just knew that. And it wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for me because I had too, too many high priority items. Yeah. It's that overwhelming and force, I, right? It's and like, I still, yeah. And so, but I did the best I could. And what I noticed is more than once I did something and it turned out that it didn't have to be done. I, back in when I was doing this, there wasn't online classes. You didn't turn your papers in online. You actually walked into the class and handed it to the professor. And I can remember just walking up to the door, having spent hours finishing up this paper, only to see a note on the door that the professor was sick and I, we didn't have to hand it in until the next week. Or go to a client and the client said, oh, you know, we've been reviewing what we're going to do. Appreciate you put this proposal together, but now we want to completely redo it. And I think, gosh, if I'd known this, I would have... I could have been doing something else during those hours. And he said, if I can only see the future, that's what I was really thinking. <laughs> I could only see the future. And at this point in my life, I literally was getting maybe four or five hours sleep a night because of everything that had to be done and getting the kids places and back from places. And I was, and I would wake up in the middle of the night, just panicked. What, what have I forgotten? What have I forgotten? And I had these long to do lists. This has to get done. And so I thought, well, here's what I'm going to do. I know God knows the future. So what I'm going to do is take my list every day and say, what has to be done? What do I need to do today? And not do anything else, just that. 
And I've shared this with people who, you know, they use it, they think of it as their higher power or it's that inner knowing or however you use the word, that's what I was doing. And so I began to ask that question each day. What do I need to do today on this horrendous to-do list that I have in front of me? And I got answers. I had a thought. I would have this thought. Okay, not that, not that, but this. And what was interesting is the but this was often something helps them. Give, just make a phone call. Just on the way home from work, stop by your friend's house and just talk to her for a few minutes. Things like that. And after about a couple of weeks of doing that, all of a sudden, I was finished every night by eight. As long as I didn't add things, you know, type A personality. We, we'll add things. Oh, <laughs> I never do that. Three hours, I should do something else. <laughs> no, no, no. It's relax, right? So that's how it went. Now, I, I felt weak doing that. I felt like I should be able to manage my own life. And so as soon as it got under control, I let it go again. Mm. I started, I took it back. Let's just put it that way. I took it back. And a few, not too much later, <laughs> I was back in the same situation. And so I turned it over again. And this time I made it a little different. This time I started asking, what do you want me to do? Mm, yeah. Well, since I feel as if I'm talking to the creator who knows me, probably better than I know myself. You know how little kids, when you're dealing with little kids and you're kind of watching them, you've known them since they were in the womb. And they're like, you don't know me. I think, well, maybe I do. And, and you kind of know what will bring them pleasure and what brings them joy. And so that's what happened to me. My, I felt as if uh, as soon as I could financially step away from being in the high-tech industry, I was steered away from that to writing books instead. Mm. And it was a process. Yeah. And this is one thing I know happens is sometimes you'll take that first step, which probably happens with you, Jerry, too. And you don't know where that step is heading. And if you if you did know where that step was heading, you'd think, oh, I can't do that. Nope, nope. That's way above my pay grade. So it was a step-by-step process that got me out of the high-tech industry and into, um, for a while, an internet business and writing books. That's yeah. what happened. Wow. And so now I, I love my life. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a big shift. And, and it was just um, that, that moment of surrendering your sense of control over it. And it was, it was interesting because the first time you went through that process of, you know, just, you know, kind of praying it up in a way, I guess that's the phrase I've often used is, you know, when you wrote out your list, you're like, okay, of all these things, what do I need to do? What's the most important? And it was really interesting that sometimes the thing you needed to do was a small thing to serve somebody else's need, just to check in on them, pop by and see how they're doing, uh, which might've been a small thing for you to do. But I bet the impact on the other person was huge, and you'll probably never know on this side of life what kind of impact that had. Um, and that always just blows my mind. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I was having this down day, and Margaret showed up and just checked in on me. It's like you'll you'll probably never get to hear those kinds of stories. Um, but then round two, it, it's kind of like for your life, you were doing what I do with my fitness. Like I get back in shape. I'm like, ah, good. Now I can go back and eat the double cheeseburgers from In and Out. Oh man, I should not have said yeah. that. I'm so hungry. Okay. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but you got back to it and you surrendered it even more. You're like, what is it you want me to do? And, and from there, it started locking in, not just on what to do on a day to day basis, but it sounded like you got like this whole calling to, to write books 
step away from the career you have that's so lucrative, lucrative and then here's the plan. Uh, you're going to get to a point where did, did you have like a dollar amount that you knew you had to have saved up before you crossed over? Uh, like, how did that planning go before you took that leap of faith? Yes, and there was a bit of a transition. So I started consulting rather than working for a company. And then um, as I was doing these consulting projects, and what was interesting, I'm interrupting here, at one point while I was finishing that degree as part of what I was doing, I had this thought that I should add environmental science minor. Right, because life was not hard enough. More credit. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, and then I went down. They actually had something that was an environmental science certificate, and I only had to add a couple of classes, and they actually all fit in. All worked. And what was interesting is, in order, I had to take some advanced classes. And I can remember going to a professor of in this like environmental science division, and I had no undergrad classes for his class. And he and the guy that said, "You need this class," and I went and said, "I need this." can I get in this class? And I remember as he was signing the form that I could get in the class, he said to me, I never knew do this. I don't even know why I'm doing this for wow. you. Love and that. then he gave me the paper so I could take this class. And I thought, well, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and then later when, but at this point I had remarried, um, I'm running my consulting business and I found a professor who needed someone to run scenarios in environmental management and do some rewriting of the software. And I knew how to do all that. So that was a job I was now able to do from home because I had that certificate and that connection. And so sometimes uh, looking back, you're like, oh, that'll make sense now. And then at the same time, there was a thought that came, I want you to start writing your life on the internet. Now this was in 90, no, around 99. This is before WordPress was even out. Yeah, yeah. Logs were not a big thing, and they weren't easy to do. And I thought, I, I don't even know how to do that. I often say that to God, I'm at a loss. I don't even know how to do that. And and then I just ran into, randomly, something called Open Diary, which I think still exists. And I started writing on there. And then after I'd written on there for a couple of years, it was, now I want you to make a book. And I thought, okay, so I knew how people did memoirs. They took their journals and they rewrote these chapters and I started to do that. And God's like, no, no, just take these things that you wrote for these people online and make that the book. And it wasn't out there for public because it was inside this closed gate open diary. And that's where the first book came from, which is I gave my to-do list to God because that's what I was doing. I would be writing, well, today I prayed and felt I should do this. And this is what happened as a result. So that's that's where the first book came from. Wow. So you, you essentially did what Pat Flynn had done way before Pat Flynn ever did it. It's, you know, he had a blog about how to pass uh, the the lead exam um, in home building and that kind of thing. And it turned out everybody yes. wanted it was just for him to have a place to put his notes so he can go there anytime, anywhere uh, on his phone, not on his phone, and, and just reference the material that he was reading and learning. Well, it turns out the rest of the internet was going to his blog to to copy his notes, basically. Like, oh, I need to pass this thing yeah. too. And he was in a mastermind group, and they said, "Pat, why don't you package that and sell it? Uh, because people obviously are visiting your website. Something like fifteen thousand to twenty thousand people a a month were coming to his website, and he's like, wow. they can get the information for free right there. And they're like, yeah, but 
Yes. And what they're also looking for is maybe an easy guide to take all the notes you've got and put it into a step-by-step process, or in your case, a, a start-to-finish journey that you've gone through where you know people could find it for free if they go through enough of your content online. But the moment you put together in a package that makes sense for a lot more people, uh, that becomes much more valuable because you're saving them time and giving them the content. Um, and I mean, you know, fast forward, I think 10 years later, and Pat Flynn's like one of the, the high end earners when it comes to uh, passive income, selling courses online, that kind of thing. Anyway, you just made me think of Pat uh, because right. very similar story, but again, happening way before it's Pat. It's very similar. Yeah. Yeah, I think Pat was in school at the time. Yeah, he's he's a kid. Whatever, we we'll forgive him for that. <laughs> oh man! So I love the transition you made, though. So you were in in a, a career while going to school. I just said that to my kids the other day. Really? I was going to say one of my kids uh, turned forty, and the the kids are like, "Oh, you're getting old." And I say, "You're old when your kids turn forty, not when you turn 40. Right. So- it's like a blessing and a curse at the same time you too will experience this (laughs) oh man oh gosh i was sad when i saw a lot of uh i guess the people i looked up to when i was growing up showing up on the cover of aarp and i was like no i'm not ready for this i am not ready for this and why am i getting an issue of aarp i don't think i qualify for this yet my wife was just laughing i was like did you do this not great yeah i know i think they start sending them when you get near 50 like oh. why? <laughs> yeah i was i think i just turned 40 when i got that copy though i was like oh man man it's coming though wow. it's coming it's it it's a good thing though i i didn't think i was going to be around this long so here i am um so I love the transition you made, though. You were in corporate America um, and working as an executive in sales. Uh, this is just a recap for those who are just now like paying attention to us 17 minutes into the conversation. Uh, so Margaret was in sales, working as an executive, uh, raising her children as a single mother, um, decided that wasn't hard enough, was going back to school to earn a degree, and uh, just realized there were too many things to do uh, that she couldn't do it all, you know, and, and so choices were made surrendering the to-do list so that uh, of the things that had to be done, what are the most important? Got everything back on track, gave up doing that practice, things went crazy again, and then surrendered the, the to-do list again. And this time around, had it on a heart of it's time to leave this job that's taking time away from your life and your family. So you made the transition into doing consulting work. So doing the same thing you were already doing, but now you get to freelance, you get to flex your, your schedule a bit more. There's probably no commute as much because uh, it's still a time where you're not remotely working, but you can if you, if you have the means. Um, and then the bigger move, the bigger leap of faith in a sense is now you're going to give up consulting to be an author and somewhere in there, you were just kind of already blogging your life in an open diary so that you had it somewhere. Um, what was it like to transition into being a full-time author, though? Like, you eventually – do you still do consulting or you eventually hung that up? I, I hung it up. It, it was a little difficult at first because I really enjoyed it, but I did hang it up. And, oh, I because I started a business online, too. I started an online uh, selling a product, a chart. And so that brought in some income too. And then I was able to work on the books. Now I have to say, I'm like most authors. We could not live on what I make as an author, but I make, I'm still considered in a top level as an author. 
So very few people, it's almost like working actors. Like, yeah, there's Julia Roberts. And then there's that guy who keeps showing up as the sub character. Right. And so my books are popular among a certain group. And I do fine with that. So I'm, and now we're retired. I've reached the point of my life that I'm now retired. My husband's retired. You know, we had some savings. We own our home. So I'm pretty comfortable. And getting there was actually part of that process. Like now do this. And I, it seems like, why would you keep asking God? But a lot of people say, I want to give my life to God. And for me, giving my life to God was giving my to-do list to God because my to-do list is my life when you think about it. What you're doing every day is your life. And I like where he's brought me. And he brought me there in a way that he promises you'll be taken care of. You'll be you'll be cared for. And I trust that. It took me a while to trust that. I got to tell you, Jerry. Yeah. Sometimes he would tell me to do things that I think that that makes no sense. And no. I, I, I'm like most people, I will give it to you only so far. And was because we were shipping out of our, you know, when we were shipping out of our home, we first started selling products online. And my thing always at the top of my to-do list was send the orders, do the orders. And that never got changed. I had to do the orders. Well, we didn't ship on Saturday or Sunday. So by Monday, we had three days worth of orders. Almost half the week was Monday. I can remember getting up one Monday with my list and God saying, don't ship the orders. And I thought, well, I don't know how things work in heaven, God. <laughs> but down here, there's my website. I ship next business day. And I'm a person of integrity and I am shipping the orders. And, you know, it was a really stressful day because I was trying to fit all these orders and get to the post office. And when I got there, I had forgotten it was President's Day for Martin Luther King. It was a day. That the post office was not open. And because I worked from home, I mean, who does holidays? You don't do holidays when you're at home, paying no attention you to You forget that. what day of the week it and is so as an entrepreneur. That yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I remember it's Sunday and Saturday, but yeah. but anyway, so it, I began, as I need to have experiences like that, I began to trust more and more that I could trust, if that makes sense, that I didn't have to insert. Yeah. Your own sense of dominance or control over the day if if you're surrendering it and, and following the prompt that you get. Yeah, that, that freaks a lot of people out. You know, I, I catch myself doing it where it's like, all right, here are my big three after having some time to reflect. And then after a while, I'm like, no, I need to add these four things. And then I wind up not being as effective. But if I kind of surrender to these are the three that I need to get done today – and I, yeah. I'm just obedient to that. It's weird. Like everything just falls into place. And it's like, wow. So if I pay attention and I'm obedient to what's on my heart uh, after time of prayer or reflection in the morning, then it just works out. And if I try to just you know, change the plan and, and yeah. like take it all for myself, I, I find that I, I, I'm really good at screwing things up. And uh, so if somebody wants to start this process for themselves of surrendering their to-do list, um, how would you – guide them through for that guy who needs three simple steps or four simple steps like what is the process what do they need to kind of think through you kind of said it through the conversation so far but just kind of bring it all together for the person listening like i want to try this tomorrow morning uh how do they go about doing that stay with us we'll be right back and now let's talk about how you can use cap show to repurpose and market your content if you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, 
into CapShow and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Well, first of all, I would recommend doing it at night. Now, I say this now because I switched from morning to night for this reason. I, during the night, sometimes you wake up and you're thinking, and often you're thinking about what you're going to do the next day. So by the time I got up, I was committed. And so for God to change, it was like, oh, okay. But, um, and I do exactly what you say. I have some time, some time of reflection. I'm often journaling. I'm reading my spiritual book, which in my case would be the Bible. And as I spent that time, then I will take the list and I will have written it all down. And I, they can be a long list. And what should I do? And what do you, you know, what um, do you want me to do? And I will rearrange the list. And often I'm at the stage of life, call certain people, check in on people. And I will do that too. And I know some people. And then, so how do you know what to put on and take off? And you just said, you know, you, you, you mentioned your heart. It's in my heart. I know I need to do it. And so for people who have a sense of, they have a gut instinct, um, I know what I'm hearing, God's voice, uh, it's in my heart, whatever that is, that works for you. Take that list and do that. And don't add, don't add. Yeah. Once I could see I was going to have a huge break, like, I'm going to have like this huge break. I get this done this amount of time, I got like two or three hours, right? We had foster kids at the time in high school and it, my huge break got taken up with going to the high school <laughs> take care of some issues with the foster kid. So yeah, often it looks like I'm going to have a huge break. I'm not going to have a huge break. True. Yeah. The, that time can be used. And sometimes that break is you really do need the rest and uh, just embrace it. Take that time to rest and regroup. Cause I don't know, it probably works for you too. Like when you take time for you and you take you know, just some time to, to sit back. It doesn't mean like veg out in front of the TV. Like you could read a book. You could just be contemplating and in prayer, you know, quietly in prayer. Um, not like on your knees in prayer, but just sort of like quietly contemplating. And, you know, for me that, that recharges and it puts things into perspective and gets me thinking strategically. And I know there are people who are not, you know, Christians and not religious in any way who also practice this where they just, block some time to be strategic and yeah that's something you just got to have the faith to go do and that the temptation i know for me is to ditch the strategic block and just take that time to knock out more things on the to-do list and feels great in the moment but then in the long run it's like why is this tool not implemented why is this process not implemented why are these sales not made why is this book not written and it's because I keep throwing the strategic block out the window. And, and so if you have that window, I, I say stick to it, you know, trust that it's there for a reason. And, you know, market shared that it's, it's paid off. You know, in some cases, it's taking care of an emergency for a foster child uh, who, who really needs somebody there for him or her. And, um, and that could be life changing as well. So uh, I love that. Uh, so if I'm understanding correctly, Margaret, uh, a great way to, to implement this practice is in the evening. You write down everything that you feel you need to do the next day, 
and then you contemplate about it, you pray about it, and uh, you just start to realize, you know, just through kind of a gut feeling, that intuition, it's on your heart, that of these things, there's so much here to do, but really what's the most impactful, and, and chances are, what's the most impactful that... I can reasonably do, and it'll impact other people in a big way, almost becomes, for me, kind of the criteria. So if you're really looking for criteria, that that might be it if I'm, I'm catching um, the, the lesson here. And then I think, yes, that's it. Like, you kind of prioritize based off of that. So it's like, write the list. Pretty, pretty simple, Jerry. It's yeah. not hard to do in terms of what to do. It's hard to do in terms of emotionally. Yes. Doing <laughs> it. Because yes. Most of us don't like to be micromanaged, and it might start to feel like that rather than being mentored. I, yeah. I like to think of it more as being mentored and guided, and I I do like that. And the other thing that happened is I gave up things. I, there were things that didn't matter. And the other thing I learned was if I focused on the things I was given to do, those other things I thought were important would be taken care of. Those, yeah. those two promises those two principles applied constantly. If I will take care of what I'm given to do, then the things I'm worried about will be handled. Yeah. I love that part about letting go of things because that relieves so much stress and so much pressure because, you know, when you're looking at the whole list, you think I need to do all these things. But if you really think about it and process it, you realize, you know, I'd like more than half of this doesn't have to be done or doesn't have to be done by me. And when you cross that off, it's like, I can totally do those things. <laughs> What's left and of that? Here's my prioritization. I and, uh, and I love that it's being done at night because, uh, you, you've mentioned it. You wake up in the morning, ready to rock and roll. Like it's boom. I know what my mission is for the day. Uh, and in between you writing that list, going through it, giving it up to God, um, and then waking up, your subconscious mind is also processing that and you're, you're planning and you know what you need to get done and preparing you for what's coming up the next day. Uh, whereas if you have that whole list and you, you don't have it spoken out or thought of or processed, all of it's going through your mind and probably keeping you awake at night. Right. Exactly. But now I don't wake up like that. I don't wake up in a panic anymore. It's been great. Yeah. And, you know, the point is I went from where I was, single mom in the high-tech industry and ended up an author remarried things i didn't expect and i if i had a 20-year plan i didn't do any of it got it a 20-year plan apparently and it's been great yeah. i love it plans ought to be written in pencil anyway <laughs> uh, i was telling somebody like in the army we do a lot of planning for missions uh a lot of planning a lot of preparation and then we have this one phrase uh, no plan ever survives first contact with the enemy. Uh, or as Mike Tyson says, there you go. Uh, your plan goes out the window the moment you get hit in the face or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't know why I went with the violence. I don't know. I don't know. But it, it's true, though. Like, you can have a plan, but then the rest of the world kind of impacts that plan. And now you got this thing that you dreamt up hitting reality. You still have your vision. That, to me, is important. That needs to be as plain on tablets yes. as possible. That's the uh, In the military, we said that's the commander's intent. Like, no matter what, that's the thing we're going to do. How we do it, that's going to change 50 to 100 times by the time we get there. Uh, but it still pays off to do a plan. Because I think having a plan at least gives you an inventory of your capabilities and, and your limitations. So there is that, guys. Um, now, you've got three... Memoirs already out, and you're working on a fourth. Did I hear that on some interviews you've done recently? Uh, out and working on the third. Oh, okay. Yes. And so the first one, and the, the first two are also audiobooks. 
Um, they're on. They're available at InnisFootsteps.com. I have links to the places they are available. So obviously, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, places like that. And the two um, audiobooks. The first one is available just anywhere audiobooks. The second one is only at this point on whatever Amazon calls their audiobook thing. I forget. Audible. That's yeah. what it is. I was like, it's- thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. And the first one is about this whole process of what happened when I gave my to-do list to God and how my life changed and the things that happened along the way, which are just fun. And then the second is about, we, we actually gave everything away or sold it and served as missionaries. And we traveled for three years. You know, we were working in prisons and working up in Alaska with natives. And we just did that. And the third one I'm working on is I is taking the longest, and I keep changing the name. I forget what I have it on. It's online, but I think of it as the gift. And it's about what happened with my second marriage, which was I was directed to by God. And my his first my first reaction to you're going to get married again was no thank you. I mean, still <laughs> a teenage son's up on market. It's not the that working out well, and. We were still kind of reeling from the divorce and my ex-husband's announcement that he was gay. And I thought, you know, the last thing we need in the middle of this is a stepfather. No, not happening. But I did remarry. And, and you know, for a match made in heaven, it didn't look too good at first, Jerry. It was <laughs> not looking good. And so I asked God, I just need some way to get through this if I'm supposed to stay in this marriage. And I got a promise. Um, all will be made whole as a result of this marriage. And the biblical word whole means spiritually and emotionally healed, not just physically. And I knew he was referring to us and our children. And so I became very committed to that. And that book, you know, it follows the arc from the promise to the fulfillment 25 years later. And, you know, as names like the three-day mad and we are a genius and just things we learned in that process. Wow. We'll have to I'm reconnect when that book year. comes out. Never knows, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll definitely need to reconnect when that book comes out because I think that'll be a great story to share with everybody listening in today. Uh, now, uh, we know your website is inhisfootsteps.com. So if you want to reach out to Margaret, go there. Uh, I'll have the link in the show notes. I'll also link her books in the show notes as well. Um, and before we go, Thanks. are there any final words of wisdom you have for our listeners? The only thing I can say about turning my to-do this over to God as I turning this how I turn my life over to God is I wish I'd done it sooner. So if you're younger listening to this, now's the time. Yes. Uh, what do they say? Uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time yeah. is today. So uh, don't wait for perfect right. conditions. Go get it done. Otherwise, you'll never will. Uh, and life's too dang short to live stuck in a rut. Margaret, thanks so much for being on here with me. I love this conversation. I can't believe the time has already flown by. Uh, and I look forward to having you on again when that uh, third memoir starts to come out. Thanks, Jared. Wow. Hey, I hope you got a lot out of that conversation like I did. It was, it was wonderful talking with her because I got to see her life the mistakes, the triumphs, her perspective, her sense of hope and resilience. And that inspired me at a time when I had just left my job to, to take some time off, finish my own book, Beyond the Rut, and then think about what do I do next? And, and instead of diving back into the corporate space, I decided the best thing for me to do was to start my own leadership business. And I'm loving it. Uh, now, 
let's come back in a year and see if I'm still saying that. Maybe I'm working too hard and then I have to reevaluate everything. But that's the whole point about beyond the rut, right? You got to keep evaluating where you are to make sure that your groove has not become the next rut. Uh, so there you go. Uh, if you want to learn more about Margaret, related episodes of Beyond the Rut, just go check out the show notes, beyondtherut.com slash 365. And there you have it. Now, I'm going to bring you another episode pretty darn soon uh, with a friend of mine named Jay Twining. Really cool guy. We're going to be talking about fatherhood. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showvian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.